You're listening to Age of Reason, brought to you by Frozen Frame Productions. Hey everyone and welcome to Age of Reason, I'm JC. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about climate change and also today is going to be the last show of the year. So there's a lot of things lately that are the last of the year, of course with just a couple of weeks remaining. Uh, so today I'm, I'm going to talk about climate change. So like I said on my previous show, I read through a lot of climate change articles. Um, compared to religion and politics, I have about four times as many. So the, the chance that I'm going to be talking about climate change is much higher than religion or, you know, politics, something like that. So this is an article that comes from National Geo. And it says, billions face food and water shortages over the next 30 years as nature fails. So, of course, uh, the planet Earth, there's only so much abuse it can take. After that, and we're doing that all to ourselves, by the way. After that, it's just going to uh, basically clean us off like fleas off the dog. And uh, it's going to restart, but it's going to be mostly without us or with a very small percentage of us remaining anyway. So what we're doing here today is that these guys, these scientists, they put together models. So there are different models and for, they're trying to combine them together and see what happens. As many as 5 billion people, particularly in Africa and South Asia, are likely to face shortages of food and clean water in the coming decades. As nature declines, hundreds of millions more could be vulnerable to increased risks of severe coastal storms according to the first ever model examining how nature and humans can survive together. So this is what I'm saying. These models did not exist before, but they exist now. And the models are becoming more and more reliable. So of course, when you combine them, you get a better picture than just looking at them one by one. I hope no one is shocked that billions of people could be impacted by 2050, says Rebecca Cha Chaplin Kramer, a landscape ecologist at Stanford University. We know we are dependent on nature for many things, she says. Uh, and she's the lead author of the paper Global Modeling of Nature's Contributions to People, published in Science magazine. That's a reliable source, actually. Uh, that nature is in sharp decline was made clear in the first ever global assessment of biodiversity released earlier this year. Human activity has resulted in severe alterations to more of 75% of Earth's land areas and 66% of the oceans, putting a million species at risk of extinction, according to the global assessment report. So yeah, this, I already talked about this before, but hum humankind has been very good at exterminating life out there. Uh, it seems that everywhere man goes, they leave a mountain of trash and a trail of destruction after, you know, they went away. So in a way, I always like to compare that to the nomadic, nomadic um, experience. So the nomad people, they move around a lot. So they go somewhere and let's say they, they burn a, a forest in a particular area because they need to like refertilize the land. And after that, they move away to somewhere else. But usually the thing is like they leave enough time for these areas to recover naturally and then they come back. But right now we're going at such a pace that we're not leaving many areas to regrow naturally. So what is the human-nature relationship? Human well-being is dependent upon nature's contributions, also known as ecosystem services. 
The new model looked at three of nature's contributions or services, providing clean water, coastal protection, or crop pollination. The model reveals that the future declines in those services will hit people in Africa and South Asia hardest because they are more directly dependent on nature, she says in an interview. People in wealthier countries can buffer the impacts through imports of food and infrastructure. But okay, but the imports depend on, you know, these places in South Asia and maybe Africa. So eventually it's going to hit you. Maybe a little bit later, yes, but it's going to hit you eventually. To look at clean water, the model mapped plants that grow near lakes and rivers. Depending on topography, climate, runoff, and other factors, estimates can be made of how much excess nitrogen fertilizer from upstream farms fields remains in waterways. When overlaid with maps of drinking water sources for people, it estimates the potential exposure to nitrate pollution. Other, stu other studies that measured actual levels of pollution were used to validate the model, she says. Okay, so again, a lot of people don't kind of realize that, but of course, everything that you put into the soil goes into the underground water. And then that goes other places and some people drink that. And it, that water is polluted by, you know, e either these fertilizers or just outright other pollution from the factory, from the industry. Uh, there, There's this show, I think it's, uh, I forgot the name of it, but you can look it up. Uh, they had an episode where they talk about the industrial farming. So these huge farms where, you know, they have cows and pigs. And then they, of course, have a lot of, like, waste from these animals, right? So uh, that's not so easy to process, apparently. And so what they do is that they dump it into these kind of lakes, lakes of, lakes of shit, you know? So people then, some people use the drones to go up in the air and then take photos of that. And, you know, they're like pools everywhere. Just like pools of waste everywhere. Absolutely unhealthy for everything, really. In a similar fashion, maps of coral, of coral reefs, mangroves, seagrasses, and salt marshes that can protect coastal erosion and storm surges were overlaid with maps of where people live on the coasts. Wild pollinators need natural habitat to survive, so maps of where food crops are grown were overlaid with existing areas of natural habitat. So it's just explaining uh, what kind of maps they used and how they overlaid it together. And then at the end of the show, I will show you what I mean, what it, what they mean. The model then mapped out our societal needs that are in terms of total nitrogen runoff, coastal risk, and pollination-dependent crop production. That was compared to where nature is currently providing such services to reveal current gaps in what humanity needs and what nature is providing. Researchers then looked at three different future scenarios involving land use, climate, and population change out to 2050, according to an analysis by Carbon Brief. Those are standardized scenarios that incorporate changes in society, demographics, and economics. Okay, so I just want to re remind people once again, uh, there is this one lecture that is floating around on YouTube it's some kind of scientist and he was he's talking about you know how things are going to get better for humankind and yet his entire lecture he doesn't mention climate change once and i don't think he's paid you know i don't think he's a shill working for that for the fossil fuel industry or anything like that for some reason he just thought it's not a good idea to mention climate change and i'm i'm thinking why why not why would you leave such an important factor out of your 
you know, presentation? Um, I don't know the answer to that. You'd, you'd have to ask him directly, but it's very strange. And the number of people, he said, you know, we can, by the end of the century, it's predicted that we're going to reach about 11 or 12 billion people. Uh, for him, it's not a problem. So there, are, there is a category of people out there, and for them, the amount of people in the planet doesn't seem to matter at all. So they, they, they kind of can't put two and two together or something. Like, yes, more people create more problems because we need, you know, everybody wants light in the home. Everybody wants heat or cold in the summer. They, of course, it's connected. You, you can't just leave that out. The study paints a deeply worrying picture of the societal burdens of losing nature, writes Patricia Balvanera, an ecologist at the Universidad Nacional Automata de Mexico. I actually kind of pronounced it correctly, even though it's suddenly in, in Spanish. In an accompanying article in Science, what's really scary is that the model only looked at three of the 18 contributions to humans well being we've identified. So yeah, that's the thing. They only looked at some of them and already the result is disastrous. So if you add all the other 15 models, then I, well, you can predict what's going to happen. Looking at every patch of earth, so the decline of nature is clear. We've lost 85% of all wetlands, for example, but the impact of that loss are not, she says. The new model makes those kind of impacts tangible by showing how many people are affected and where. It is also fine-scaled enough to reveal the effects of the loss of nature for every 300 by 300 patch on the earth, meter, in meters. That shows where restoring nature or preventing its loss provide the biggest benefits, says Balvanera. The magnitude of those impacts won't be mitigated by technology or infrastructure, she says. South Asia would have to build thousands of water treatment plants to provide the clean water people need. Well, nature can do it for free. Yes, but it needs a long, longer time, which we are not allowing it. Madagascar can't afford to build seawalls to pretend its protect its coasts, but it could restore its coastal communities of mangroves and seagrasses. Yeah, but that depends whether or not people are willing to give it time to do so. Because you can't just like go out there and plant a tree. It takes time. It takes time for the tree to grow. Uh, we're not giving them the time they need to naturally do that. The Global Assessment Report concluded that sweeping changes are needed in our governance, economic, food production, energy, and other systems, says Sir Robert Watson, former chair of the Inter... Oh, so he works for the IPBBS, okay, which conducted the assessment. This is the kind of tool that looks at the plausible future based on science that can help governments avoid bad outcomes, says Watson. The model is available online, so anyone can explore the potential impacts. Well, why don't we actually do that? Okay, well, why don't we look at the model, actually? I have it here open. So as you can see already, it's not very promising. So this is an interactive map, by the way. You can turn it around. Well, let's look at the kind of big, bigger countries. So let's let's take a look at Russia, for example. So it basically exposed. It says nature contribution, uh, people exposed, and then uh, expected loss of uh, crop production million, in millions of people usually. So in the Russia case, it's about I would say seventy percent of the population exposed. If you go to India, which you know India has huge issues, of course. 
uh, a lot of population here is exposed. I would say like that's probably 85% or so. Uh, China is surprisingly low actually because remember China has well over a billion people but only about let's say a third of that would be exposed. Uh, Japan of course has huge issues because there's nowhere to go really. It's, there's no more land available. Uh, so here almost everybody will be exposed and of course since i'm talking about the us a lot why not talk about it well again even in the us most of the population is exposed to risks so anyway i'll give this link in the description of the video you can go check it out by yourself uh, but yeah it's mostly uh, orange and red so it's not very promising uh, i just want to Again, remind everybody that we cannot solve this if only one person tackles the problem. We have to solve it all together. And we have to, in most cases, change everything about our lives. The way that we go to work, the way that we work, uh, the way that we operate devices in our home, etc. Yes, switching off the light matters in empty rooms. So every little bit matters. It's not just like one kind of thing, it's everything. Everything that we do matters. So try to talk to your people in their community. Try to push them to install solar plants, uh, solar panels on roofs, etc. Because we need to move as quickly as possible. We cannot wait and we cannot wait for, for the governments to act. The, this takes forever. It's a ton of bureaucracy. Uh, just try getting a passport and for the first time try to see how much bureaucracy that takes so now imagine that but maybe a million times worse when you're involving many countries talking to each other etc it's very difficult but we have to get going as soon as possible so talk to your community uh, get people involved get people riled up because this is gonna this is gonna kill like billions of people okay if we don't do anything that's for sure uh, on that negative note i have to say uh, so thank you for watching uh, this is the again the last show of the year so i'll see you next year and uh, well happy holidays etc if you have any some people don't so i'm kind of cautious in saying that and i will see you in 2020 bye bye